All right, well, come on back. And we are going to try and cover 15 and 16 today uh, of the book of Proverbs. We're studying wisdom. You might think this is just a, I don't know, an exercise in churchianity to go through the Proverbs. Well, let me give you a little bit of my day today. I needed the Proverbs today in a big way, in a big way. So my job is to settle cases, civil lawsuits. That's my job uh, in the asbestos world. And uh, I've been working on this one case for seven years. We have about, I have about 6,000 cases you think that's impressive, it's not really. About 70 to 80 are active at one time. Uh, we have a staff of about four or five people that basically every morning tell me where I'm supposed to be. And uh, we've been trying to settle this case for seven years. It's a case in Ohio with a firm that I don't usually settle with. And, um, and here in Allegheny County, it literally would have taken me less than 10 seconds to settle the case. It's taken us seven years. It's coming up for trial soon. I'm, Jan and I are, Lord willing, heading out on vacation uh, tomorrow. And uh, here you go. And it's, I'm stressed, not stressed, but I'm like, you know, man, I wish I could get this case off the off the books so I, we could go and enjoy the... And uh, <clears throat> I get to work this, this morning, and the first thing that happens to me is somebody higher up than me comes in and starts telling a dirty joke. <laughs> I'm like, oh my. Proverbs. Wise, the things that are wise, or, you know, wise people, certain things come out of their mouths. The things that are unwise or foolish, certain things come, you know, come out of those folks' mouths. And how do you navigate that when it's just you and the other person? Right? And you're at work and you, you know, all the politically correct stuff, and yet, you know, you're a Christian and that overrides all that stuff. And so here it is, I'm stressed, I don't want to deal with a dirty joke. And yet here it is staring me right in the face. I thought something was up there. I was like, what? <laughs> How do we put that up there? <laughs> so here it is right in front of you. I mean, you know, the Psalms are such a prayerful thing. It's between you and the Lord and you're pouring out. It's so beautiful and wonderful, the Psalms. And the Proverbs are so practical and here I am getting ready to teach on the Proverbs. Dirty joke. What do you do? Well, you tell me. What? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and so how is it? You know, you're just sitting there and you're like, oh, you know, I mean, don't tell me that stuff. And uh, we sort of got the conversation turned around. Not sort of. We got the conversation turned around about somebody's blessings in their lives. And that's how we did it. And uh, halfway through the dirty joke, they remembered I was a pastor. So that helped too. 
Uh, but um, you just never know, right? You, you think, oh, well, you're reading through these Psalms and they're all sort of, every verse is sort of unto itself. And then you go to the next chapter and some of the same topics are covered. But here's the thing. You're going to need different things that are wise every single day. Don't you agree? What situations life brings, and God is here equipping us through this man named Solomon now, and remember what Solomon was doing. He wrote lots of Proverbs. Not all of them made it here. You know that, right? Lots and lots of Proverbs. Here's the select uh, 31 of them, and what was he doing here in the middle of this? This is touching for me. He was training his own children for their kingship, sort of. Not sort of, he was. Now you think about that. What does God do with us? He trains us as princes and princesses of his son to live in eternity in his kingdom. Here are the Proverbs. So watch this. He starts out again in chapter 15, verse 1, and we've seen it several, several times. This is really convicting. You know what's really convicting? Is the way in which we talk. I mean, over and over and over again in the Proverbs, think about this. He was instructing his kids. The Lord used it by the Holy Spirit to instruct all of us. But he's instructing his kids to be in the royal court. I mean, think about that. And one of the things the Lord impresses upon his heart is the way in which a person talks. Now, that's upside down because... The king should be able to say anything in the worldly way of thinking, right? Boss people around, scream at them, call them names. Wow. That's not what the Lord, uh, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, put on Solomon's heart, right? And you just right out of the gate here. Who here is uh, very to the point and talks directly to people, and sometimes that gets you in trouble? And they take it as if, you know, you're sharp or abrasive, and maybe you are, or maybe we are. But watch this. In verse 1, chapter 15, here it comes again for uh, the, the, you know, several times now. A soft answer turns away wrath. Remember, we're talking about being wise. Wisdom isn't just knowledge. There's a lot of people in the world who have lots of knowledge and they aren't wise. And oh, by the way, there's a lot of people in the Christian church who have a lot of head knowledge but aren't wise. What's the difference? Well, there's a difference between knowing the Bible and being a right divider of the word. A right divider of the word is nimble. In the scriptures and they by the power of the Holy Spirit can apply the scriptures in all kinds of circumstances by the Holy Spirit you get what I'm saying 
It's the application of the things you know that makes you wise. I mean, can you imagine two moms coming to you and say, that's my baby? No, 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 that's my baby. Wait a minute, there's two of you. How can it both be your baby, or you know what I mean? Oh, here's what we'll do. Why don't you chop the, you know, you know the story of Solomon. Who would think of such a thing? Oh, Timothy would, there we go. It's the application of it. So a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now listen to this. I'm going to put up a a quote here by Charles Bridges. It's very long. I'm going to read this to you because it really convicted me. And Jan's going to probably tell you that. But anyway, what a mine of practical wisdom is this book of God. This valuable rule for self-discipline. Listen, family peace and church unity. Scripture often illustrates the different effects of the tongue. The soft answer is the water to quench. Grievous words are the oil to stir up the fire. What a way of saying it, right? And this is, alas, man's or woman's natural propensity to feed rather than to quench the angry flame. We yield to irritation, retort upon our neighbor, have recourse to self-justification, insist upon the last word. (laughs) That's a little inside joke between Jan and I there. Um, Anyway. Say all that we could say and think we do well to be angry. Neither party gives up an atom of the will. Pride and passion on both sides strike together like two flints. And behold, how great a matter, a little fire kindleth. Does this resonate with anybody but me? This resonates, man. Thus, there is the, listen, here it is. This is the one that got me. It almost knocked me over today. My whole life was built on sarcasm. My love language at my house when I was growing up, it was constantly sarcasm. If somebody was teasing you, that meant they loved you. That's how I felt and still feel it in some ways. Thus, there is the self-pleasing sarcasm, as if we, would, uh, we had rather lose a friend than miss a clever stroke. Whoa, ouch is right. All this the world excuses as a sensitive and lively temper But the gospel sets before us our Savior's example, imbues with his spirit, and imparts that blessed charity that is not easily provoked. Lord, do we need that, or at least I do. And therefore is careful not to provoke a chafed or wounded spirit. Now, I just got to stop right there, because when I say this, sometimes people, like, gasp. But when I was in school, I'm just got to tell you, before Christ, if we sensed a chafed or wounded spirit, I just got to say it, we went after you. That's the way we were. But that's not this. You see what the Lord does? If others begin, let us forbear from continuing this strife. Patience is the true peacemaker. Soft and healing words gain a double victory. I love this. Over ourselves and our brother. Whoa. Charles Bridges wrote that. 
What else can we say about this? Well, the wise commands his tongue. Listen, the wise commands his tongue. The fool, his tongue commands him. You get that? The wise commands his tongue. The fool, his tongue commands him. And it's not how much you know. Are you catching this? Who here is a know-it-all? I'm a know-it-all. Oh, only two of us in here said we were know-it-alls. Yes, I am a know-it-all. But it's not how much you know, it's how much you use with your speech in a right manner that counts. Isn't that amazing? So a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh tongue stirs up anger. I'm convicted by that. It's over and over again. In order to live in the kingly realms with the king, or as we live in the kingly realms with the king, he's training us to give softer answers and not harsh words. And the tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. Again, it's not how much you know, it's how much you use correctly godly and then it goes on and it says the eyes of the lord are in every place keeping watch on the evil and the good this omniscience of god his all-knowing character it would have a great effect on the christian body or the christian church if we recognize that the eyes of the lord are in every place that means they know the eyes of the lord men knows what you look at on your phone, and maybe women too. He knows. You can wipe away the history, but he knows. You can cheat on your taxes, and nobody will ever find out, but he was there. You could steal the pen from work or the paper or whatever, or from Starbucks. I almost did that once writing a sermon. I was thinking about taking the pen with me. Is that your heart just going, are you kidding me? I'm the pastor. I'm like, what am I doing here? Anyway, the eyes of the Lord are there. The eyes of the Lord are there at the gossip table. The person may never find out you were talking about them, but the Lord knows. The Lord knows all of the pride that we sense or have, or the stiff neckedness, if that's a word or a phrase. He's there. Someone once said what a man or woman is in the sight of God is what a man truly is, or a woman truly is. And that reputation is what men think you are. Listen, reputation is what men think you are, but character is what God knows you are. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, and he keeps watch on the evil and the good. He knows what we do, but listen, he knows those motives, those things that you've done. You ever felt like, why doesn't anybody ever say thank you to me? That's not really my love language, but I know it's a lot of other people's love language, right? To have the words of affirmation, right? 
And people like that, and that's okay, that, right? But I want you to know that the Lord knows. He knows the good that you're doing for him, the one that's unseen. He knows that you're praying for those people in the mornings. He knows that you're continuing on and you're ministering to people when no one else looking. He knows, and that's the most important thing because what he thinks is what's really true about you. This is amazing. It just, it can, it has the power to change our lives as we're there by ourselves, practicing the presence of the Lord. It's no longer academic when you believe this. It's no longer just in a book. The Lord is there. He is there. He rose again and seated at the right hand of the Father. He's alive. And God's eyes are on us. And he knows. That's a blessing, man. You know what else it's a blessing? Before you beat yourself up? You know, because he knows about your weaknesses too. And he knows where you've messed up. And he knows how you've treated someone or this or that. And all the things that he knows, listen, and he loves you. In the world, they just throw you on the trash heap. Oh, you're not measuring up here in the corporate world? Get out. Oh, you didn't do good enough job here in the PTA? Get out, whatever. Wherever. I mean, that's the way of the world, right? But the Lord, he knows who we are, and he still loves us. That's powerful. That's practicing the presence of the Lord. And so a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. See how important this is? But perverseness in it breaks the spirit. By the way, wisdom is described as the tree of life in Proverbs 3.18. And you, you can see right here that good words have the power to do a lot of good. Who here, if you were being honest, can remember something somebody said to you when you were little that really fractured you? I bet a lot of us would raise our hands, right? But who here could also remember somebody believing in you when you were little and a coach or a teacher or a Sunday school teacher and something they said to you lodged right in there and it helped you in those times to keep going, right? Amazing. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. When you speak twisted or crooked or corrupt. It not only breaks your spirit, it could break the spirit of somebody else. And we've seen this several times. If you're somebody that hates to be corrected, do you hate to be corrected? Do you like to be corrected? Most of us don't like it too much, but a fool despises his father's instruction. But he who receives correction is prudent. In terms of the parent-children relationship, listen to your parents, young people. Pipe this in across the street, right? But also, be a parent that's worthy of being listened to. That doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you seek to follow the Lord, follow hard after him, work out of a, a, a position of rest as you depend upon him. When you make mistakes or commit sin, you ask for forgiveness, even among your family. And off you go. But don't be shy about being corrected. If you don't receive correction, how will you improve in anything? What if your coach just said 
oh, that's so great the way you're doing that. And you're losing, you know, by 70 points every game. Oh, that's just so wonderful. You guys are so wonderful. Well, how are you ever going to get better? Unless you talk about correction. And so it is, right? In fact, the way in which you receive correction is probably a way in which you sort of receive correction from the Lord. Hmm. Interesting. Well, so that, that proverb, and that's over and over again. And then the house of the righteous, there is much treasure, but in the revenue of the wicked is trouble. Wisdom brings prosperity, but especially spiritual prosperity. Uh, one uh, commentator said this, every righteous man uh, uh, is a rich man, whether he has more or less of the material things of life. And I want you to know this. Listen, who here has ever ministered to somebody? Raise your hand. You ever ministered to somebody? Raise your hand. Ministered to somebody? Served somebody? Helped somebody? Had them cry on your shoulder? Talked to somebody? Listen to this. And Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 6.10. Ministers of God have nothing. This is Paul talking now. Ministers of God have nothing but possess all things. Hmm. Paul says that. And what's fascinating about this is Ecclesiastes 5.10 tells us that the wicked are never satisfied. So they're going to want more and more and more of the things of the world, and it's just going to cause trouble. How about this? The lips of the wise disperse knowledge. In fact, in 2 Corinthians, it talks about wise people or Christians or born-again Christians. What do they scatter? What are we to scatter? Seed, the word of God. Boom, boom, boom. Just say it. Talk to people. Learn the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And on and on you go. And speak in scriptures to people. And that's a good way because the Lord is active in that. You're really wise if you disperse knowledge, especially the scattering of seed. But the heart of the fool doesn't do so. And the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. I want you to watch this. But the prayer of the upright is, is his delight. You get it? You could take... $10 million and stick it in that little love box back there. You could serve a million times down at the homeless thing or whatever with a heart that's crusty and cold with bad motives. Maybe you just want to be liked, and so you do those sorts of things. And that's sort of what God is talking about here through the proverb. When you sacrifice and do religious stuff, but it doesn't have a pure motive. You know, the Lord recognizes that. But when you pray, by the way, time out. It's so fascinating to read the book. Uh, the pre I forget the name of it, but it's about, Billy Graham wrote it. It's about his life with all the presidents. 
And Billy Graham knew every president from President Truman, or excuse me, Eisenhower on. Maybe Truman too. But anyway, he knew every president. No, it was Eisenhower, first of all. And he went into the White House. He went into the Oval Office. Do you know this? And he prayed on his knees with every single president until he passed away except one. Do you know which one it was that he didn't pray with? Who'd you say? Nope. Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter was, didn't have him around too much. But with every president, and he would just ask them, and he would get down on the, his knees on the carpeting and ask the presidents, and most of them would. And I could just imagine the Lord just, wow. Somebody humbling themselves, the most powerful man in the world. And I ask you, are you the most powerful man or woman in the world in the world's eyes? No, you're not. You, you and I, we're just normal people. And when we, with a pure heart, we just cry out to the Lord. Maybe we're struggling. Anybody struggle this week? Just really struggle. You're like, man, what's going on? Now the Lord knows that. Or maybe, you know, you just didn't have it. And, and you just got down on your knees or you were at the table and you just with a pure heart just said, Lord, I don't know if I could do it this week. I just need you so much. I don't even recognize myself. I'm not sure what I'm doing. You know what the Lord is doing? He's like, yes, I love her so much. I love him so much. Just coming to me, and, and I'm just delighting in this person. Do you know the Lord delights in you? There's a lot of people in this room, I bet, who don't know that. They think the Lord tolerates them, but the Lord delights in you. He delights in you. All of creation was created to put you here so he could have communion with you by the blood of his son. He delights. It's amazing. And so you look at this and you go, wow, religious stuff he don't really like. But pure stuff out of the heart. Wow, he delights. Without godliness, one said, religious ritual can be an abomination. Isn't that amazing? But the way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him who follows righteousness. Uh, why? Why? There's this great verse over in Jude, chapter, or verse 21, chapter 21. That's funny. There's one chapter. You know what it says? It says, keep yourself in the love of God. How do you keep yourself in the love of God? Well, you're, you're just counting on Jesus, man. You're just counting on Jesus. You're just abiding. You're just abiding. You're not some grand, you don't have a 100,000 person stadium and you're, you know, witnessing. You're, you're struggling. You're down in the muck and the mire of life and you're just calling out to the Lord. And he says, oh man, my son, my daughter, I love you so much. I delight. It's so great. That's who we serve. And so he loves him who or her who follows righteousness. Well, how about this? Harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way and who hates correction will die. Wow. I mean, who here needs to pray that they could receive correction better? 
or appropriately. Yeah, me too. Me and Paul pray. Jan, okay, Mark, we're all going to get together and pray for that. And then listen, hell and destruction are before the Lord. So how much more the hearts of the sons of men? Hell and destruction are invisible to us. But I want you to see, he even sees there. There's nowhere you could go that get out of the presence of the Lord in, in a sense, right? Or not in a sense. Yes, there's nowhere you could go. You can't get away. He knows hell and destruction are before him. And then so how much more the hearts of the sons of men? It's amazing. Do you, he know, do you, I want you to pay attention to this. The Lord knows you better than you know yourself. You ever said something like this? Have you ever said this? Maybe you said it this week. How in the world could I have ever said that or done that? And the bottom falls out of your belly or whatever, and you're just, you know what I'm saying? And you're upset. And the Lord knows you better than you know yourself. He knows the hearts of the sons of men and daughters. And I want you to show you one of the greatest verses of the Bible that when many teach the book of Galatians, they just skip over. And I want you to see it. I want you to actually go there into Galatians 4. Okay? Go over to Galatians 4. And Paul is talking here about some fears he has about the church at Galatia. And I love it. But then, indeed, verse 8, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not God's. Now watch. But now, after you have known God, and I love the Holy Spirit here. It's like the Holy Spirit. You know something Cade corrected me on today? Oh, this week, earlier this week. You know something he corrected me on? Because him and Patrick were talking about it this week. We were laughing at home. We were talking about how he's going to be a bachelor starting tomorrow and all that sort of thing. And uh, I said, yeah, man. Come Friday, I'm going to be hiking in Colorado. And he goes, she, you never read James, did you? And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, you mean Lord willing. You'll be in Colorado. He goes, me and Patrick were just talking about that today. Don't boast in the Lord. You, you need to say, Lord willing, he told me. And he was right. He was right. And it's funny right here. It's almost like Paul feels the Holy Spirit correct him here in Galatians 4.9. Watch this. He says, but now after you have known God, and then it goes, oh, wait, 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 wait a second. Or rather... Oh, man, this, this is life-changing. You're known by God. It's not that you know him. That's great. It's he knows you. It's not that you love God. That's great, too. We sang about it tonight. It's better because he loves you. And sometimes our love or our knowing of somebody can be fickle or inter not inappropriate, but we can disappoint people or whatever. And God never does. And he knows you. He knows exactly who you are. He knows those thoughts you think at night or whatever. 
saying you're not good enough or whatever, or, or whatever, any, a million things that could be happening. And he knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what you should do and where you should go and where you should stay clear of and what you should say and what you should be around and what's best for you and what's healthiest for you. And, and we think it's about me knowing God, and it is. There's books written about it, and I love those books. J.I. Packer wrote this amazing book. It's amazing, Knowing God. But what astounds me more than me knowing God is that he knows me. And it's touching. You want to give your life back to him when you recognize that he knows you. All your sins, your flaws, your imperfections, and he knows you. And Paul catches himself here, just like Cade caught me. Thanks a lot, Patrick. But anyway, <laughs> I'm kidding. But so how, uh, how much more the hearts of the sons of men, that's what the Lord knows. And a scoffer doesn't love one who corrects him, nor will he go to the wise. I'm convinced, by the way, that's why some people are, have a tough time hearing the word of God. Seriously, they, don't, they know they're not submitting to the Lord and don't want to and don't want to hear it. So it's sort of torture sometimes for them, but whatever. A wise person accepts criticism. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Of course, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but what makes you merry? Well, go to the women's study and find out. Blessed, 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 blessed. Blessed are the, blessed are the, blessed are the. Happy, 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 happy. That's what we are. When we recognize who we are, that Jesus tells us who we are in the Sermon on the Mount. Amazing. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feeds on foolishness, of course. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but, but he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Why? Because circumstances don't mess with you. Did you catch that? Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Oh, Lord, make my life simple. And the Bible tells us about that in the New Testament. Better is a dinner of herbs. Isn't this a wonderful proverb. Man, parents should know this a lot. We have parents that want our kids to be Heisman Trophy winners, prom kings and queens, uh, Instagram, uh, you know, liked, you know, through the roof. Uh, we, we sort of pimp out our kids sometimes in the name of popularity. You say you don't, but you sort of are. But better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. Just having simple life, but love around the table. Isn't that beautiful? A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays contention, sort of like the first verse. The way of the lazy man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of the upright is a highway. That means it's straight. So when you work hard for something, the general principle is it's going to make a highway. Of course, there's going to be uh, some detours, but it's better than being lazy. Now watch, you don't want to be a workaholic because that can be an idol too. 
But that's what that's about. A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother, hates his mother, makes, you know, makes his mother not uh, proud. But, you know, <laughs> the New Testament writers said this. I mean, what greater thing is there? What, is there anything greater? Is there anything greater in all the world than to know that your sons and daughters are walking with God himself? There's nothing better. That's what makes a parent's heart glad, which means you can't always be their friend. You love them, you don't exasperate them, you encourage them, but you're the parent, not the friend. Folly is joy to him who's destitute of discernment, but a man of understanding walks uprightly. Without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, there are, they are established. Get many eyes and minds to think and pray over the plans that you think God has given you. Go to the Lord first, get other wise people to pray with you, and see what the Lord does. That's a general principle. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. <laughs> oh, boy. Just think about when you speak. Do your words bring joy to people? Whoa. And of words spoken in due season, how good it is. Do you know sometimes <laughs> you don't have to say something just to fill the space? You know, you know what we teach people in a deposition? When we're defending somebody, so my client gets up on the stand and is doing a deposition, taking testimony that can be used in a case. You know what we tell them? If you don't remember anything else, nothing, remember this. If there's no question asked of you, shut up. Don't talk. And if they start to do it, you know what I say? Hey, we need to take a break. And we go talk to our client, we say, be quiet. You don't have to fill up the space. See, when I'm on the other side and I'm deposing somebody, one of the things I try to do is get them to talk because I know sometimes they're hiding things. We're all taught to do that. Be quiet. You know, sometimes the, it's not just what you say, it's when you say it that can really help. And sometimes what you say when you say it is not a real help at all. So you say, well, when can I say what I can say? Wisdom. The Lord gives you that. That's the point of this book. That's what this is all about. So the way of life, verse 24, winds upward for the wise that he may turn away from hell below. See, generally in a life of wisdom, life gets better as the years go on because you're more wise, because you're being transformed, what? From glory to glory. And the Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he'll establish the boundary of the widow, those who aren't proud. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant. Are your words pleasant? Are my words pleasant? He's greedy for gain, troubles his own house, but he who hates bribes will live. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer. Did you think that? Did you see that, I mean? <laughs> think before you respond. That's what the proverb is saying. Think. 
Ask the Lord for wisdom. But the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. It just spouts off. That's what that's saying. And the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. God draws near, James tells us, to those who draw near to him. And the prayer of a righteous man is effective in James 5, 16. And you know those scriptures. And the light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and a good report makes the bones healthy because the eyes are lamp to the entire body. When it's full of light, you're happy, you see. And so what counts? You ever just, you ever just gone? I, I, you ever just met somebody? You don't know them. And you can just see the countenance. And you go, you know, you'll lean over to your friend or your wife or your husband and go, I don't know who that is, but that person's a Christian. That's what it's talking about here. A wise person is full of the Holy Spirit with a kind, wise countenance. Because you're so filled up. The ear that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. And he who disdains instruction despises his own soul. If you hate to be corrected, maybe uh, recognize and learn this. But he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. And the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. Remember, what's fear of the Lord? It's reverential awe. Are you in awe and wonder of the Lord? Do you wake up and spend time with the Lord in awe and wonder? When you're at lunch and you're doing your work or whatever, and you come home, the fear of the Lord, it helps you to instruct you in wisdom. And watch this. The preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Pray about that. Don't I need that prayer. Lord, here's what I'm planning to do. And if it's up to me, I'm just going to spout it out. Maybe I'm the only one. It's burning a hole in my heart. i got to say it, Lord. Maybe the prayer should be, Lord, it's burning a hole in my heart. Should I say this? Help me. Do I need to be saying this right now? That's what that's talking about. The Lord can be our safety net if we'll count on him. And all the ways of the man are pure in his own eyes. Man justifies himself. Don't you find that? Oh, I was only kidding. How many times have I said that in my life? Two? No, I say it all the time. I was only kidding. I justify myself. Maybe you do the same. All of the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Uh... The Lord evaluates our motives. Do you catch that? When we get to the Bema seat, it's not all going to be just about our action. It's going to be about our motives too. Right? And he's telling us this. So when you hear that, what do you think to yourself? You know what I think to myself? Lord, help me with my motives. Purify my motives take out the sin in my life and replace it with your goodness because sometimes and a lot of times my motives aren't pure, Lord. That's what it makes me want to do. And see, what did the Bible tell us earlier? The prayer of somebody who's sincere that way is delightful to the Lord. You're being honest about it and you're asking for help. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Oh, praise the Lord. 
I mean, some of us, like, I'll just say it. I mean, our romantic lives. Man, more people get jammed up over romance than anything I know about. What if you committed your works, your life, in all places, including your romantic life, and not living according to what you think, but living according to what the Lord thinks, and your thoughts then will be established by him? My thought is I want to run out, not I, but... My thought is I want to run out and have an affair with this lady. That's my thought. It's not really. But some people can, right? But what if you committed your works and you talked to the Lord about that and said, Lord, establish my heart or my thoughts because my thoughts are totally out of uh, uh, whack with your word. What if we said that? What if we wanted to glorify the Lord more than please ourselves? What if we wanted to obey the Lord and uh, 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 live even our romantic lives or our financial lives or whatever it is according to his purposes and not ours? What if we glorified him more than ourselves? What if we committed all of our works and thoughts to the Lord and he established those things and we didn't just run off and do our own thing? What? And the Lord has made all for himself. He's the creator. Yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. God's plans and providences even include the destiny of the ungodly. Every proud heart is an abomination to the Lord. And you know this, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's what the New Testament says. Man. And he can do that not only for the believer, unbeliever, I mean the unbeliever, but also for the believer when we're being very prideful. Though they join forces, none will go unpunished. Watch this. In mercy and truth, withholding from us what we deserve and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. Can you believe this is in the Proverbs? The atonement, the satisfaction for iniquity, and by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. Fear of the Lord, not it's that reverential awe, a foundation of a God-honoring life. You get to the place where you want to honor God more than you want to do what you want to do. And I'll just say it one more time for those in the back. Romance makes people, whoo. It's like, I'm doing great. I know the word of God. I know the word of God. Everything's going to do. I'm living my life. I'm raising my kids. But now romance comes, and it's like all bets are off. But here, the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. And when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. There's this principle that we can please the Lord with our life and a lifestyle that's so pleasing to God that it disarms people out in society who have hostility to the Christian. Okay, here I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get in trouble here. What if without standing or without shirking our duty to stand up for righteousness, we love people so well and so authentic and so loving and so truthful and so kind and authentic. I said it twice on purpose. 
that when we get into involved in a political conversation, whatever happens with the other side, they knew that we love them. I know some people ain't happy about that. What if people knew that we just love them and that even though we had a different opinion, we really love them? Even somebody as so-called enemy or even a real enemy, and we lived our lives in such a way with such love that was flowing out of us by the baptism of the Holy Spirit that people were disarmed in hostility towards us. Now, the Bible says that we are going to have people who hate us, but what if there was this disarming of love? You know, there's no law, the New Testament tells us, against such things, the fruit of the Spirit, especially love. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice doing it the right way. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You know God expects us to use our brains and make plans. Who here is a planner? Raise your hand. Oh, boy. I wish I was more like you. I really do. It would make life so much more simpler for me. And yet, planners... You could rely upon the plans too much, and you can't deviate from the plan, and it makes you heartsick sometimes and anxious. What if you just let him make the final decision? Warren Wearsby points that out. Divination, not a cultic, but wise guidance, is on the lips of the king. His mouth must not transgress in judgment. Don't go beyond God's appointed boundaries of judgment. Honest weights and scales are the Lord. He cares about business and not ripping people off. All the weights in the bag are his work. It's an abomination for kings to commit wickedness, for a throne is established by righteousness. If you're a leader in this society and you're ripping off people, you're in a bad spot. But you and I are kings and queens in this sense. We're royalty. We're princes and princesses of the king. And we should be honest and not commit wickedness and establish our throne by the righteousness that's imputed to us and then this seeking after righteousness as the trajectory of our lives. Righteous lips even are the delight of kings, those who speak honestly and open. Most people respect that, even if they're not Christians. Do you know that? When you speak lovingly and honest and open, and I would add this, not add, it's in here, if you would listen to people. You know what I see a lot? When somebody has a different idea than you do, or is on the different side of the fence, and you give them that little opportunity to speak about their side, you know what you're trying to do the whole time? Butt in. What if you just let them say their piece? and say their thing, and try to see where they're coming from. Not that you ever agreed with it, but that you listened, and you understood their story, and heard about it, and then shared with them from that. Well, the Lord seems to think that's what we do. Righteous lips are delights of kings, and they love him who speak what is right. Yes, of course, there's a time when you're speaking with them to speak what is right. And as messengers of death is the king's wrath, but a wise man will appease it. Uh, to be the target of a king's wrath, 
can bring messengers. Uh, you, you know, messengers of death can be the target of the king's wrath. But what do we want to be? We want to be messengers of the life of Jesus Christ. Don't you want to be that messenger and ambassador in that way? Uh, in the light of the king's face is life, and his favor is like a cloud of the latter rain. Listen, approval of a king is like life-giving rain. I just want you to see that. We'll go quick now and we'll be done. Listen, do you know you're in Christ? God approves of you. You're not condemned anymore. You have peace with God. Does he chasten you like he would chasten any uh, uh, kid? Yes, but the approval of God is like rain pouring over your life, refreshing and growing and clean. Isn't that wonderful? How much better to get wisdom than gold and get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver? The highway, here it ever is again, upright, is to depart from evil. Get away from evil. And he who keeps his way preserves his soul. Pride goes before destruction. Haughty spirit before a fall. We spout that one off all the time, don't we? It's funny, we spout it off about other people mostly, which is really interesting to me. Don't you see the irony there? Uh, but better to be a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. He who heeds the word wisely will find good. Whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. See, hey, real quick, remember that's what rest is. When the Bible says that we're to operate out of a position of rest, like Sabbath, you don't have to keep a day. You have to have a relationship. And happy is he, you see, uh, uh, happy is he, where are we again? Happy is he uh, who trusts in the Lord. And that's resting in Jesus. That's resting right there. It's trusting. It's believing what he says and then trusting and then going like this. He's going to take care of it. You don't have to worry anymore. You're resting. Isn't that great? All right. The wise in heart will be called prudent. The sweetness of lips increases learning. Understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it. Oh, it's continually flowing. But the correction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. And I want you to see something. It's unnatural for us to speak wisely. We have to train ourselves by the person and work of the Holy Spirit. It's what it says there. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, health to the bones. Man, do we know now that words are powerful. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Be careful of doing things in your own power. The person who labor labors for himself, for his hungry mouth drives him on. Work hard so you can feed your family. An ungodly man digs up evil and it's on his lips like a burning fire and a perverse man sows strife. Quit sowing strife. Don't gossip. A whisperer separates the best of friends. Why would you want to drive friends away from one another? Quit gossiping. If you wouldn't say it in front of the person, don't say it behind their back. That's the, that's the litmus test. If you would say it, go ahead. A perverse man sows strife. A whisperer separates the best of friends. A violent man entices his neighbor, leads him in a way that isn't good. He winks his eye to devise per perverse things. He pursues his lips, brings about evil. Oh, here, I love this one now. I used to not like this one. The silver-haired head is a crown of glory. Praise the Lord. No, what is it? Just for men, for me. 
If it's found in the way of righteousness, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit, then he takes a city. The lot is cast into the lap. You catch this, but it's every decision is from the Lord, even the lots, the dice. God has power over. Well, I hope you've uh, understood that Proverbs here is a very practical thing. You could find yourself early in the morning trying to sip coffee face-to-face with somebody who's telling you a dirty joke. And then what do you do? You're a born-again Christian. You're filled with the Spirit. Do you continue in it? Do you perpetuate it? Or do you say something? What do you do? Man, do we need wisdom, right? All right, let's pray. So, Lord, we're so thankful that you brought these truths out, that this is a practical book. Uh, Lord, I'm so thankful that you brought these truths out, that how much you love us and know us. You know us better than we know ourselves. And praise God for that. You know us, Lord, intimately. Lord, maybe some of us in here have been struggling this week. We're hurting. We need to know these things, Lord, not just intellectually, but deep in here. And I pray that tonight, by your spirit, you would make yourself mighty and strong and comforting to those who need that. But maybe some of us need to hear the chastening of the Lord (laughs) because we've been disobedient. We pray for conviction and repentance in those regards, too, in our own hearts first and for the body at large. Lord, help us this week as we move forward, sharing your love and light to those you present to us. In Jesus' name, amen.